just the society and the, the culture of football is what it is. And I live in Texas. So high school football in Texas is uh, about as <laughs> – if you watch movies on it, that's exactly how it is. That's what I'll say. That's exactly varsity, how big it is. varsity blues fan. Big varsity blues fan. That's exactly how it is. And I think it becomes from their commissioner. Their commissioner is just out of touch. You know, he no. just he, – and, and he, he's not my favorite. I just call him Raj. You know, it's hard for me to Raj. call him Mr. Goodell. <laughs> but he just – like, he's like, well, you know, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to have players read poems before games. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Ahoy, hoy! Welcome to Head Games, the science and psychology of sports. I'm Dr. Brett Levine, joined as always by Dr. Ben Rosenberg. Ben, how are you? I am the most rested I've been probably in a while. My toddler slept until 7 a.m. today. Just a game changer. How are you? Uh, good. My in-laws have been taking care of my child, so I get to sleep until 9 or 10 every day. <laughs> Dude, you're living the dream, bro. You're in Canada. No COVID back. up there. The weather's great. There's no fires. Got in-laws to take care of your kid. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, life's good. Living, lucky. Living the, living the dream. Definitely lucky. Um, I wish we had a, a more cheerful topic to talk about on today's show, but it's important. It is relevant. It is related to sports. And I think it's in, in large part why we do this show is because we want psychology to have some sort of influence or, or impact or just really contribute to the conversation of what's going on. Our guest today is our good friend, TJ Void. Um, I think he's a good source to, to lean in on this conversation. He certainly has a few things that he'd like to say about it. So he'll be uh, a great guest coming up in just a bit. Um, let's, let's just recap it. it. You know, the show is really about what, what happened and I'll just cover the news. Um, if you haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock, you probably already know at this point, um, Jacob Blake, um, a resident of Kenosha, Wisconsin, was shot while getting into his car. The police were called and, and there's, there's now um, information coming about his, about his past, um, about reasonings and, and, and either justifications or not for shooting him uh, seven times while trying to get into his vehicle. Um, bottom line is here we have another unarmed black man who is shot. Um, from that, we've seen uh, protests throughout the country. Um, I believe almost three months, um, three months to the day, almost. Yeah, almost. Uh, uh, George Philippe is back in like late May and, late uh, May. This, and um, Jacob Blake was late August. Um, at any rate, the, uh, the corresponding response from professional sports was a, a boycott or a protest. It was the NBA, it was WNBA, it was NHL, it was Major League Baseball, and it was Major League Soccer, all of which were protesting. This is a question for you. I want to start things off with um, some good background on this, and then we can get more into it, obviously, with TJ. But the question for you is, does protesting, and I guess the, the, the close relative of protesting, boycotting, uh, do these things work? Are we expecting there to be real impact from, you know, let's say the NBA uh, protesting and not, and not playing, or is it just sort of like more symbolic? Yeah, uh, awesome questions. I mean, I think in, in some ways, these are the most important questions we can ask right now, right? Like, it's fantastic that the NBA, that all these professional athletes are using their platform to make their voices known and to you know, take a stand on this stuff. Um, for, from a researcher's perspective, 
This is a really tough question to answer. Um, I mean, if you think about like the way that researchers study this stuff, the impact of like an, an advertisement or a mass movement on people's attitudes or their behaviors is they ask people, hey, do you remember seeing the NBA protest in 2020? How did it affect you? Right. So they're asking people to like think back about the impact of something on them. And that's if you sort of logic that out, that's not the best way to measure the impact of something. Right. Like, do you remember what you saw on a TV ad yesterday? No. No, you have no idea. You probably don't remember what your kid had for dinner last night, right? So no. it's, it's hard for people to recall things first. And secondly, it's really hard for them to recall the impact that something had on them. So mm -hmm. claiming that there's a direct one-to-one -one impact of being exposed to this kind of movement or being exposed to this kind of so stuff on social media, on the news, having a one-to-one -one impact on people claiming that is really hard. Mm -hmm. It's just fuzzy. There's a lot of other things happening in people's yeah. lives that make it difficult to make that, that kind of causal, like X caused Y type of thing. Yeah. So caveat everything with that. So it's hard to say that there's going to be that sort of impact, but there is some interesting research that shows that the effect this kind of publicity can have on people is more through what's called agenda setting which is the idea that it gets people talking about an issue, mm -hmm. which then maybe long-term downstream could have some kind of change on their attitudes or, or their behavior. So it's not so much that the players talking about this stuff or protesting or, or boycotting their games are directly going to affect Joe Schmo out there who doesn't believe in this stuff, mm -hmm. but maybe it'll get him talking about it, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe he'll get him talking about it with his buddies when he's out drinking at the bar he says, yeah, did you see the NBA pro is protesting or boycotting? Like, that's bullshit. And maybe it's just enough to get him thinking about it, talking about it. And he comes across somebody else who, who thinks, actually, I think this was a good idea. They boycotted and here's why. Mm -hmm. right? So it has the potential to long-term downstream have an influence on people simply because it affects what they're talking about and how they're talking about it. Mm -hmm. So it seems like it's like planting the seed for, for maybe some later like attitudinal change on like yeah. these topics. So it's a good thing nonetheless. Yeah. Could be. It's a, it's, it is potentially a good thing. Absolutely. And I think the way that you put it, planting the seed is a great phrase. Like there's a thing in psychology called the sleeper effect, which sounds like a, a wrestling move or something it's like, a, you know, sleeper hold, but basically it's the idea that you're not necessarily going to change somebody's attitudes immediately. Yeah. And this is what we're talking about, right? This isn't going to be a one-to-one. -one. I see LeBron James boycotting. I'm going to change my mind. Right. But it could plant the seed such that later on down the road, it might, you might have some effect. You might change people's attitudes about this stuff um, through this kind of long-term. You're giving them a chance to think about it, ruminate about it, talk to their buddies about it, chew mm -hmm. on it a little bit. And when the issue comes back around weeks, days, months later, it's possible that they could feel differently. Yep. Uh, one last question, and then we should we should take a quick break before we have TJ here. Let me ask you to solve all the problems for us. Dude, if, done. Yeah. Right, right here. Right. Uh, done. Yeah. yeah. On this on this podcast. Done. Um, is there a better way to measure these things? Because it you know by ask instead of asking somebody like, hey, do you remember that ad you saw yesterday, or do you recall yeah. when um, you know seeing those protests, uh, you know, from NHL, did it really change your mind? I mean, is there something that's more like time sensitive like what if we talk to people now about this because it's going on right now um yeah. what are better ways of like talking about this and measuring it really so sure we can ask people now but again like 
how accurate, how good are we at judging how much something has changed us? Like, I don't think we're particularly good at that. I don't know how good we are introspecting about those kinds of things. Like, if I see the protest and you ask me, did it change me? Maybe I can accurately judge that. Maybe I can't. But the other thing is you may not, like we were just talking about, expect any change right away. We know it might not be expecting any influence on people right now. It might have to come weeks, months down the line. Right. So we're really talking about a balance here between internal and external validity, which is what we talk about in research. So internal validity is like, how much can I claim that X caused Y? How much can I claim that seeing this protest caused somebody to change their attitude? And external validity has to do with how, how, re, how realistic that thing is. Like, would we expect to see this in the real world, not like in our crazy, you know, laboratories where we do studies? So the best way to study this stuff is in a lab. You show people an ad and then you measure their effects or you show people a protest and you measure their attitudes or their behaviors, beliefs about it. And then maybe a few weeks or months later, you measure them again. The problem is that's not super realistic because people typically aren't sitting in their you know, house on their phone or on their TV, not doing anything else and just right. paying attention to your ad or just paying attention to your media post. Right. So it doesn't have much reality to it or, or much realism to it. Right. So it's passive. It's passive. Exa exactly. So it's, it's just really hard. I mean, to, to answer your question, it's really hard to do this. There's no perfect way. We can yeah. either have this kind of direct causal X to Y thing or in a lab, but it's not realistic, or we can do it in the way that researchers typically do, which has a bit more realism because we're getting people sort of in their context in a more uh, kind of real world type of way, mm -hmm. but it's not, we're not as easily able to draw the, I see this movement to this kind of change type of deal. Yeah, makes sense. Well, um, let's get TJ in here. I think um, it'd be great for all of us to sit and just sort of talk listen and um you know get into this in a little bit more detail and really talk and and i think as a, observers and as sports fans in general talk about how it's affected us i guess today is our good friend tj void tj is a podcaster educator former college basketball player children's author tj welcome to the show how's it going it's going well man thanks for having me again i feel like i'm a cousin at this point at least at, at this point Love yeah having you. Yeah, you're at least a mainstay, if not a cousin, or like a, <laughs> a, one of Ben's relatives or something like that. That's right. Hey, I'll take you any day, man. <laughs> I got some relatives I want to replace too. So if you want to split some time between our families, then. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, well, here we are again, uh, you know, three months after the murder of George Floyd, another black man, Jacob Blake is involved in another gruesome, violent encounter with police. Right. Last week, uh, NBA, NHL, MLB, and WNBA suspended play. Um, the NBA resumed. They all they all resumed. The NBA resumed after they had actually reached a deal that included um, increased access to voting in the U.S., which is great. Um, TJ, first question is for you though. Um, sports obviously being intertwined with current events and I guess politics at this point. Is there more that professional sports can be doing to affect social justice or is this pretty good? I think this is a really good start at the very least. I think the conversation for better or for worse is something that needs to be had. And honestly, sports has always been at the forefront of social change of any sort. Um, people like to say, uh, you know, we, we go to sports for sports, not politics, but that's not true because the athletes are, 
leaders in our society for, for whether they want to be or not. They're visible. They're, you know, abnormally large humans uh, on, on the NBA side. So they're, they're seen. They're, they're in the top 1% of, of pay and salary. And so that inherently makes them influential. And so if you, like if, a, if an athlete backs, you know, any political person, whether local or national, it makes a difference. Um, people buy shoes and grown people wear other grown adults names on their backs. So that should let you know how influential these people are. So in terms of what the NBA and to me, the NBA sitting out the, that day was not surprising. Um, because I think that the NBA is actually followed the lead of the WNBA, the WNBA, those ladies are fearless. I mean, they, do what women do, right? I mean, women kind of run the world, if not out in front of the, the camera, at least behind the scenes. And so um, I think they kind of garnered a little bit of uh, confidence from saying, we can do this, right? And so once they stopped, and once Milwaukee, which I thought was key since it was in Wisconsin, right? Mm -hmm. Which no one ever heard of Kenosha anyway, but that's apparently 30, 40 minutes away from Milwaukee. Um, and so when they decided to do it, and then it just kind of, you knew after that the dominoes were going to fall. But I think the key to that was that an, a plan was put into place, right? And a part of that plan was executed on immediately, which is having every NBA arena become now a voting place, which fights the voter suppression, right? And, you know, people say we're mad at them for, coming back so soon and but it's like what do you want them to do there is a level a lot of people that say stuff like that I can tell they've never played a sport in their life because that that a lot of times that's that place of play that that arena that court is normalcy it's peace it's it's solitude from everything else you have athletes that have reached that level have a a, a sense of compartmentalization that the average person just can't have. Like these guys can go through, you know, custody battles and divorces and family members dying and all of this stuff. That's why Brian Erlacher's response was so such an idiotic statement. That was an idiotic statement for him to say. But the furthest where he said, like, well, Brett Favre, dad died, he played Monday night football. Like, what does that have? That has one has nothing to do with the other. But the further some people get away from sports, you realize the humans that they really are, right? And it becomes nasty. And so athletes, I think, force people. Let's, well, let's talk about sports. And I know I'm getting a little bit long-winded. I'll cut myself off. But sports brings people together more than a lot of things. And so athletes inherently have this camaraderie with each other that you can't even really, specifically basketball, because it's such a small amount of people where you don't really have time to be racist because I need you to make a jump shot. You know, we can worry about this stuff later. Um, and the coaches, there's more, you know, white coaches than black coaches in the NBA, but there's almost 90% black athletes that are in the NBA. And so when they, I think it gives the, 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 the white guys that play in the NBA a sense, a peek into a world that the average person can just simply ignore. And, so outside of being an athlete, these guys are black men that were black boys at one point. And so they have life experiences because, you know, quite a bit of them come from situations 
and, and lifestyles that haven't been favorable. Yeah. And they say they, you know, it said that, well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Okay. Well, they did it. They had this, this, this high level of, of, of skill, this specific skill set that allows them to occupy one of the 450 jobs that the NBA has to offer. And now since they did this and they made themselves this prominent figure, now you're telling them to shut up. Like, what, what, how do you, which, how do you want to slice this? And so the NBA wasn't surprising. The MLB was extremely, I didn't think that would happen at all, but soccer, that's what really, that, like them spinning games was like, oh, okay. Okay. And the NHL even, I'm like, wow. Because you know, the NHL is historically a white guy sport. I mean, we were growing up, we even called like certain dudes, like when that's a white boy that will play hockey for real. Cause we were ignorant. You know what I mean? So we would say silly things like that, but for them to stop play, I think was like, okay, this is, I guess this is happening for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I don't know if athletes can do more. I think the best thing they can do is when you get away from the game is see where, use those lessons that you learn to continue to be that influence that you are because yeah. Money brings you influence, man. And they, those guys have a lot of it. And they yeah. live in neighborhoods where sometimes people aren't welcome, you know, that, that, that they played with. And yeah. I think that's more, I don't know if it's a burden for them because I do think if you don't feel comfortable doing it, then be quiet. Just, you know, yeah. learn, understand, and then see where you can help. Yeah. But I don't think everybody should be LeBron James. Did you see either of you guys the, clip that I think Brandon Marshall, former uh, Broncos and Bears receiver, Dolphins also receiver posted, I guess he and his wife and his kids bought a new house in a really ritzy area of Miami and they are black and we're moving in and the security guards were called who then called the cops on him trying to, he's, this guy's estimated net worth is what, 20 million or something. And he's trying to move into his new home with his kids sitting in the car. So to sort of your point, TJ, some of the most impactful things that I know I've seen as a white person trying to get some insight onto what this experience is like are from guys like Brandon Marshall, who now have made it clearly he's way the fuck richer than I am. And he's still receiving this kind of treatment simply because of the way he looks and the neighborhood that he has now wanted his family to be able to live in. Um, and so to your point, I think that is one way, like you said, after guys leave their sport that they can continue to influence, right? It's just share experiences like that. Like that's, I saw that on Twitter and I was just like, unfortunately not surprised because this continues to happen, but still shocked in a way, right? Yeah, no, it is shocking. And it's just, I mean, and, and you, you read, like I was sharing with you guys off camera, like I have a bad habit of clicking on things that have way too many comments to where I know it's going to go down just a terrible road. And there's just this, this interactions that happen and they're recorded and the goalpost just continues to be moved. Right. And so they say, okay, well, Jacob Blake should have just complied. Cool. So then they showed a video of a white guy who's yelling at the cop and getting into his car. Yeah. Well, show me, show me where he put his hands on the cop. Yeah. Okay. So what is it? Is it don't touch him or is it just comply? Cool. Okay. So then, then the, the, the guy, Kyle, whatever, I don't even want to justify him with a name shoots these people, you know, in some vigilante type deal that it comes to find out that the cops are funneling people there. Fine. So then they say, okay, well, supposed to comply okay well the cops told him don't come towards me with that weapon came towards him anyway fine 
okay, took off. They found him later. The other guy was supposedly had a weapon. You know this guy has a weapon. He's carrying it. <laughs> yeah. He's showing you. He's used yeah. it. Yep. He's telling you. But this guy supposedly reached for a weapon. So athletes can say stuff like this, and people get jaded because they're rich. And it's like, well, if you really want to make change, then give your salary up. No, you give your salary up. Because I, the, every athlete that I know of has some sort of charity, has some sort of person, even if they are just reaching back and taking care of family members that are in, that were formerly in impoverished situation, that is helping change generations. Yep. And so why is it my job now to sit back and tell them, hey, entertain me. And also, yep. if you want to do some, if you want to make change, make change on my accord, the way I tell yep. you to do it. Like what kind of nasty, just privilege is that supposed to, I just, I, I don't understand it. And like, again, if you think about the NBA in, in 1979, like this is not that long ago. This is Magic Johnson. When he got drafted, the NBA was said to be too black. Like mm. publicly said that. Mm. And then I mean, the Lakers won you know, and, the, and the Celtics won. And both yeah. those teams were predominantly black dudes. Even in, yeah. even in Boston, that is, you know, have their issues with race or whatever. To yeah. where now the NBA is almost again almost ninety percent black. The the highest grossing athletes in the NBA are black, and the and those guys feel like the some of the top ten spots on the Forbes athlete list. Yeah, and so that in 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 the fact that they want to do something that they want to make a change should be applauded. Yeah. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be scolded as if you're just supposed to just shut up and just, we don't come to sports for politics. No, that's exactly why you come to sports because you talk to me about, you know, flags and patriotism and all of this stuff. So you can't run away from it. If you're going to yeah. bring it into the, to the game, mm -hmm. then, then I, I'm allowed to fight for what's right because it's not a side of black and white. It's not a side of Democrat and Republic. It's a side of what's right and what is wrong. And when you see black males get, killed murdered on camera i internalize that as a black male it doesn't matter what i do for a living because if that was the case then lebron james would have never had the n-word spray painted on his house this is lebron james yeah. the biggest yeah. athlete in the world and he had this happen to him because outside of this there's still people who only view you for what the, what you look like yeah and that's unfortunate so they can't not do anything and if the question is can they do more i don't think so i don't I, I can't i'm not one to gauge that i think they should do as much as they possibly can because there comes a point where it becomes counterproductive you just yep. yeah just okay we're not gonna play because we're not gonna play because we're not gonna play because right it does two things I mean, you guys can speak more to the mental level but if you don't have that escape and you just delve completely into what you do and then your your, your income stops and because regardless of you know, people want to say, well, you can stop working. And no, no, this is my source of income. It doesn't matter that it's a hundred million dollars a year. It's still my source of income that I've worked hard to create for myself. And you told me to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And this is what I've <laughs> yeah. done. Did it. Yeah. This right. is what I've done. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I think the point we're making here is that professional athletes, whether they like it or not, our role models are, you know, physically large, high paid, cameras always on them. Um, but do we have to then, I mean, is there a yin and a yang? Because, you know, uh, for every LeBron James who stands up for, for what's right, 
um, is there a Brian Urlacher? Is there, is there sort of like a balance in all of this? And as we look forward into the future, like we'll always have to be dealing with this. It's a microcosm of our society. Um, is, is there anything to be done about that? Or, or it's, a, it's an open platform for people to speak and the fireworks are just uh, part of the residuals. I mean, to, to, me, to me, the, I think, import, most important piece is athletes speaking and, mm. and using the platform like TJ so beautifully expounded on, using the platform that they have to influence what people are thinking and really more specifically how they're thinking about things and the topics that we're talking about, right? Like there's a lot of, of research, of course, I'm going to go back to the literature, but there's a lot of research that shows like media doesn't necessarily impact our behaviors or beliefs, like on a one-to-one -one scale. Like I don't see LeBron say something and suddenly change my mind. It's not that simple. I wish it was, but it's not that simple, but it does work such that the way things and the topics and the way people are talking about them, particularly big popular figures are talking about them. They set the agenda for what everybody else in society is talking about. So athletes continually hammering about this stuff, saying this is a human rights issue, particularly as TJ said, the, the fact that the NBA is made up of 90% black athletes. That 74, have 74, 74, 74, 74, 74, 90, yeah. three quarters <laughs> pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, which is what America is telling people to do. They have done that. They're here. They have made it. And using that platform to talk about these issues is mm -hmm. I think in some ways the most important because it's going to make other people talk about them. It's going to make other people see these issues as important and continue to talk about them, which hopefully long, you know, downstream long-term will help to affect some more, more direct change. And I think, I don't think that one side can tell the other side not to say anything, even if it's just ignorance. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you say it, let's talk about it. Right. And let's have a constructive conversation that block out the noise, you know, uh, Johnny from around the block type on his computer that has, you know, a cartoon for his, uh, his Avi on his Twitter doesn't mean anything, right? What, what, what's meaningful is the conversations that we can have with each other, that you could yeah. say something that Brian Erlacher can say something like that and then have those prominent athletes that are of the same stature to say, no, no, this is wrong. Right. This is right. wrong what you're saying. Here's why it's wrong. A, B, C, D, right? Right. And so I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm one that advocates for say what you feel and then we can talk about it, right? I don't, I would much rather the, the people who do things covertly are the ones that are probably most destructive mm. than, than the ones yeah. who just, just say whatever you got to say. And I can deal with that, you yeah. know, because I, I know what I'm dealing with as opposed yeah. to the systematic things that people claim don't, don't exist despite, you know, <laughs> overwhelming evidence yeah. that these things, because it's multi-layered, right? And so truthfully, um, again, of the 74% of black guys that are in the NBA, there's quite a few of them, even LeBron James that are experts in, you know, the, the entire entirety of being black in America where you have to like fight through every single wrong of existence of, you have to fight to get here. Then you got to fight to get there. Then you got to fight. And so we actually learn, believe it or not, black people and brown people learn like the inner workings of America more than a lot of other people would have to, because we have yeah. to know how to navigate this, this, yeah. this treacherous society. Right. And how to, yeah. how to, so that there's like a level of survival skills that's almost like a superpower, like it's innate. Yeah. You don't even think about it until you have to yeah. think about it, right? Yeah. Like, 
when you sit in a room. So when LeBron James goes to business meetings, it, um, a lot of times the only black guys in there are his people. Yep. How do I navigate this room? We never, we don't just like the, 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 the rich white guy doesn't have to think about being white in that sense. We don't necessarily have to think about how to interact with that guy. We just kind of know because we've, yep. it's, that's been taught to us by, by these, 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 the people who raised us. And so they're kind of experts in even things that go on in impoverished neighborhoods because they come from that and they, they have some family members that are still there perhaps. And so it will be, it will behoove people to actually listen to what they have to say, because just yeah. because I make a million dollars now, I, I didn't always make this. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I come when I was, you know, people should listen to, you know, does he, does LeBron say some, some things out of emotion? Yeah. He's human, but he's also been famous since he was 16. Yeah. And Literally. he, he's, he's like the, a, a model citizen, you yeah. know what I mean? So it will behoove people to at least give him the, 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 the latitude to say things that, that makes sense and listen to him and then have conversations if you disagree, yeah. as opposed to saying, shut up and dribble. But yeah. then when Drew Brees says something that you agree with, you're like, well, he should be able to say whatever he wants. So which is it? Is it because he throws yeah. and not dribble? Like, <laughs> what is it? Is it <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, and that, that's, that's the problem with telling one side to be quiet because you yeah. agree with one side or the other. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, yeah. you know, you have to be able to have con conversations that are constructive in order to uh, push, push the, push the, the, the things forward and add the progression. But I think it's because people do that because they don't, the acquisition of knowledge requires responsibility now, right? If I know about it, now I'm responsible for it. Yeah. And if I'm responsible for it, now I'm, I got to make a conscious decision to either try to change it mm -hmm. or to be a part of it remaining the same. Right. And mm -hmm. that when it remains the same, it actually deteriorates further. And so instead of me being responsible for that information, I just act like it doesn't exist. And that's why for yeah. me, it's hard for me. It's going to be unpopular probably amongst black people, but whatever. I'm not going to keep screaming black lives matter to people, man. You know, you know, my life matters, right? You, yeah. It's just, it's just, it, 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 do I agree with the movement still? Absolutely. And do I, do I know my life matters? Absolutely. But it's my job to make sure that it matters to the people that it matters to. I can't, continue to try to push on people that, that are just going to see me as an excuse now that are just going to find another reason. Well, he should have done this well, and just reduce my life to this list of things that I could have done better to make sure that my life remains my life. I'm not going to do that. And so, you know, my life matters. You're choosing now to act like it's, it matters a little bit less by saying, okay, well, this life matters too. Well, this fine. But yes, I, I agree. Okay. Oh, with well, this, well, we, you know, Americans weren't the only ones to have slaves. Okay, well, that country was wrong too. <laughs> well, doesn't, well, doesn't make it right. <laughs> well, the, the white people get killed by cops too. Okay, well, that's wrong too. So we, we, no one is. It's all no. So I'm, I'm not. I can't keep. I can't keep trying to convince you that I matter to you because if I don't matter to you, that's fine. We can just go our separate ways, and I'm gonna still make my life meaningful in some way, some form, some fashion. Yeah. But at the same time, you have the right to say all lives matter. I have the right to tell you why that could be possibly destructive, yeah. but I also need to have the emotional intelligence to hear your side, agree yeah. or disagree. Right. I can hear yeah. your side and then we can have it. Once, once the conversation becomes, you know, a back and forth, that's when I personally just exit anyway. Yeah. But to, I mean, to Ben's point earlier, it's not as if like when LeBron James stands up and says, this is how I feel about something that, that does that they can shift that attitude. Right. But 
if I'm reading this correctly and, and Ben, you know, tell me if this is right or wrong, but the idea is that it's, it's a small effect, but like the more and more this happens, the more and more effect we see, the more the NBA steps up and says, this isn't right. The better effect, you know, the more, you know, the WNBA and the NHL and, you know, baseball and, you know, athletes in general step up, it makes an effort, right? It does make a larger change over time. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I mean, it's your choice, obviously, to say if you decide whether to say Black Lives Matter or not. But the with the idea of, you know, if you keep saying it, right, the fact that we do have to say it, number one, is a problem. But the fact that if we keep saying it over time, collectively, our voices can make some sort of change. Do you believe that, like, even though it's, you know, you're a small drop in a waterfall, that, like, you're at least a part of a waterfall that can make yeah. some sort of change? I do believe that. And, I mean, you saying that even makes me rethink like I'm by no means am I saying I'm right you know I'm, I'm probably a little bit too I can't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize for my level of passion for it but it's just there's a there's a there is a a, a bit of emotion that probably stops some of my rationality at times and so I mean you saying that Brett actually makes me go back and say okay let me reel this in and really think about am I you know participating in the deterioration of our voices if I choose not to say anything so yeah, I do believe that to answer your question. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, do. I think it, it, a lot of this points at the distinction that has now kind of becoming commonplace between being like against racism be, and being actively anti-racist too, right? And like, this is actually a term like I, I have done some of this work in the past. This is a term that I had wasn't even familiar with until relatively recently to be anti-racist. But I think it gets to the essence of what we're talking about, that these small conversations are ways for people to be anti-racist. Having conversations, whether they originate in sports or other places, can make an impact on people. I, I mentioned to you guys off air that I was having a, a text conversation about some of this stuff before we came on with a bunch of guys that I played basketball with. And there's a number on their chain that I don't, I don't know this guy, but he started saying some things that I, I, I didn't agree with. And I had a reaction kind of like what you're talking about, TJ. Like I got kind of heated, but I, I was able to sort of pull back and say some things that were more based in the research that I know about prejudice and about the systemic uh, prejudice against black folk in this country. And it ended with the guy saying, basically, let's agree to disagree, which is not the outcome I was hoping for, obviously, because I think that's code for like, I still believe what I believe. You can still believe what you believe. I'm not going to learn. Somebody else stepped in and said some other stuff. And I texted this guy on the, on the side and I was like, you know, that was horrible. Thank you for standing up for me. And he was like, look, man, like we have to continue to do this work. It's fucking hard, but we have to continue to do this work. And even if he learned a little something from that conversation we had today, if he learned one thing, like that could make a difference, right? He could go out and, and educate some of his friends that have similar perspectives to him, right? So to your point, like it can take place on this sort of one-to-one person-to-person basis, right? If he is now convinced and he wasn't before that Black Lives Matter, which yeah, obviously that should, we should assume that that is true. If he was now convinced of that, maybe he's going to go talk to somebody else about it in the long run. And that's how things spread, right? Because I mean, if you listen to some of the misinformation, a lot of it sounds the same. And it's just a matter of who wants to believe it. But that's the, that's kind of the, the, the detriment that, that misinformation can cause because that's, that's, that's almost worse than no information. 
you know, is like if you yeah. if you hear the wrong thing and you spread the wrong thing, that could be catastrophic. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just I, I think people also got to realize athletes. Yes, they play basketball and they play football and they play baseball, but they have other interests. And some of these people are highly intelligent human beings. Yeah. Um, it's just so they have, you know, things to say. And I think, yeah. you know, having these roundtables like back in the day, the old sports reporter show or things oh, yeah. like that, I, I thought those were were important you know to to hear what other what to hear what people go through to hear how they got to where they got to hear what they think to hear what they say and it's not you know they're they're not obviously uh the only voice that needs to be heard but they are a resounding voice that i think um won't go away anytime soon nor should it um but it's it was exciting to me to see guys you know in the nhl and guys uh you know in the nfl because the nfl kind of is what it is you know it's yeah you know, we, we love the NFL in America, but uh, it is a certainly a good old boy network. And the 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 just the society and the, the culture of football is what it is. And I live in Texas. So high school football in Texas is uh, about as <laughs> if you watch movies on it, that's exactly how it is. That's what I'll say. Var- that's exactly varsity, how big it varsity is. blues fan. Big varsity blues fan. That's exactly how it is. And so it's important that we start getting guys that uh, – because those guys are almost – and I think it becomes from their commissioner. Their commissioner is just out of touch. You know, he no. just he, – and, and he, he's not my favorite. I just call him Raj. You know, it's hard for me to Raj. call him Mr. Goodell. <laughs> but he just – like, he's like, well, you know, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to have players read poems before games. <laughs> and it's like, what? or tell their personal stories about being black in America and no one holds his feet to the fire ever. No. Like, no, 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 Goodell, no, no, you, this is wrong what you're saying. Like, and so you still got Jerry Jones who's saying that he's trying to make rules for his players to stand through the anthem. And it's like, just let it go. It's not even worth yeah. the, what are you trying to prove at this point? Yeah. But a lot of times those guys are taught to either you play or we'll get somebody to replace you. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You do what we yeah. say, or we get somebody to replace you, and yeah. I don't, that's not healthy. That's not that's not healthy even to the sport. I think if the sport lended itself more to being more pliable in these conversations, then it would probably raise the popularity. Yeah, and you get fans who just because they said the players are going to read a poem, there were people replying like, "Well, goodbye NFL. Uh, you won't see me <laughs> see my season tickets anymore." Like, come on, poem. <laughs> Okay. You I are a poems. racist. You are yes, yes. Oh, is it Robert Frost? <laughs> I am done. The worst. First of all, a poem. Like, what are we doing, man? Dude. And I think that I think that's the 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 yin and the yang that we were talking about. About yeah. okay, let's let's have a true plan. Let's not just yeah. do stuff because yeah. that the performative things is what turns even the people on the right yes. side off. Yes. So you're just going to have black guys reading poems? Like, come on, idiotic. It's hard to expect (laughs) a lot from a league that doesn't really value, uh, you know, human health uh, all that much anyway. True, true. You know, anyone's um, individual values. So it's, you know, and maybe it makes sense that that's sort of where all this sort of started anyway with Colin Kaepernick. Um, Didn't, wasn't there some sort of weird date where it was the same um, day yeah same the, day, the protests man. occurred on the same day where <laughs> yeah. colin kaepernick it, took a knee yeah, during the pre and yeah. um, four pre-season. years later that's yeah. crazy well i think too the the point you're making tj points to the importance of uh the kind of systemic 
um, support that the NBA has offered its players compared to your boy Raj. I hate, I shouldn't have called him your boy. Raj. Uh, <laughs> not his not, boy. Definitely not your boy. <laughs> not, not my, my boy. boy. Not my boy. Uh, compared with Raj not really showing that kind of support for the players then. And he's like kind of in this performative way, as you said, trying to now, but we, it's so fucking transparent, right? Like we know that's not real. Whereas Adam Silver among a m- bunch of coaches in the NBA as well, like Doc Rivers has given some really impassioned talks about his experience as a black man in America. Um, I know Steve Kerr has said some really important things. Greg Popovich has talk, been talking about this stuff for years. Like the NBA has had this sort of systemic support for its players talking about this stuff, as you mentioned before. And you can see the difference in how the leagues are approaching this, right? The NBA clearly has some kind of plan for how these conversations, how important these conversations are and where they're going to play out. And the NFL is out here kind of just floundering because it's the NFL and they just want to take everybody's money and think they're going to have fans in the stadiums and all this crazy shit. Let me ask y'all a question. Do you think that the NBA is progressive in this manner? Because whenever David Stern came, he kind of switched the marketing plan to we're going to market players. And one of those first players, you know, was Michael Jordan. Okay, let's let's put Michael Jordan out there. Let's put NBA players in their Olympics. Do y'all think that a lot of the progression in the in their social stances come because of they, they put their athletes first and those athletes happen to be black men? as opposed to the NFL, that they, they, it's more of a team game, the football. Yeah. And a lot of the guys just inherently, uh, by proxy, the, the leaders or the guys that are pushed out are quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so. This, that's a great question. We actually were talking about this, and there's this, uh, I guess, like, way of thinking about psychology in that there's the individual level and then there's the group level. And there's sort of, like, streams of theories or constructs or, you know, ideas that come from either talking about an individual we're talking about a group and that's a great question and i think it's um it's worth i think discussing i think it's i'd have to give it some thought as to whether um progress or whether these real effects come out of an individual taking a knee during a national anthem or whether it is an entire team protesting or doing something like that yeah. um it, it it feels i'm just going to say very anecdotally it, it seems like recently it's easier to trace back these effects when you look at an individual and we talk about Colin Kaepernick, we talk about LeBron James. Um, You know, maybe it's something about connecting it back to a person, which sort of really shows some effect. And off the top of my head, it's hard for me to think of a team embodying something and um, them sort of causing like a, you know, a chain reaction Mm -hmm. of, of events. Ben, can you think of anything in terms of at least, I mean, individual one, versus group that would, that would help one, explain this one thing that comes to my mind and this is this is not based in literature this is an, somewhat anecdotal but nba players you you see them the whole time they're on the court mm-hmm. there's only five guys on the court at a time per team you see their faces you see who they are you see what tattoos they have like they have any you see their hair exactly you feel like you know them football players have helmets on they're barely visible right so mm-hmm. And it just so happens that, as you said, TJ, the players that are typically pushed out to be kind of the public face of the franchise are quarterbacks who have historically tended to be the white guy with the fucking swoopy Southern dude looking hair. So that's who's recognizable on a football team. It's a few fewer players who tended to be white, even though most of the players were actually black, whereas for the NBA, the players are visible the whole time. 
And so maybe that is, is something of difference. And as, as you said, the, the, the NBA is pushing its players to be its kind of marketing tool. Um, and there, there have been lots of big personalities to come through the NBA. Not all of them have been black, certainly, but many of them have. Yeah. And so they are putting this very public face on the league that looks a certain way. And that maybe has helped the league to kind of lead the, the kind of progression towards that direction and some of these issues. Yeah. I mean, because you got guys like Bill Walton, who was, mm-hmm. you know, he was a disturber of, of he was a yep. disturbance. And he was, I mean, he was on, he was <laughs> doing protests on UCLA campus, like yeah. at, at, when he was in oh, yeah. in college. Uh, and you can't miss him. He's seven foot red. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I love Bill Walton. You know, he's, he's commentating. Good. It's just, he's you don't even good. expect basketball. You just kind of listen mm-hmm. to him trail off into something who knows where. But I think that those guys had an effect on people like, you know, Luke Walton, his son, and mm-hmm. Steve Kerr's dad was this, you know, big social justice yeah. guy that I didn't, even, I didn't yeah. realize that until the, the documentary. Yeah, man. Um, and, and but see, then you got guys like Popovich, who Popovich has his strong military ties, and he believes yeah. in standing for the, for the flag and all of that stuff. But he yeah. also believes what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. Yeah. And so I think we have to get, I think one thing that athletes can show, like the Myers-Leonard thing, is that, mm-hmm. Like there is a middle ground. You don't have to be this yeah. or that. Like there is, okay, I believe a little bit from here. I have my beliefs here. I, I, I can see where you guys are saying, but here I'm, a, I'm with you. Believe me. Yeah. But for me, I feel more comfortable. And I think that's okay. I don't think, and I think that sports has provided that lens that people would look at it that way, as yeah. opposed to saying, well, if you don't stand for the flag, you're going to lose all your fans. Like, no, we're not. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna lose you, but <laughs> yeah. you, don't even, you don't even play bad. You don't watch basketball. You don't know basketball. Yeah. Uh, I think fans may be the issue more than the athletes. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I think that if we looked at it at the lens of look at these guys, they they're they're smart. They work hard. Obviously, um, yeah. they they they've reached the pinnacle of their career choices, and now this is they're saying. Then if we can hear what they're saying, if we can see what they're doing. You look at what the NBA has mandated. Excuse me, oh, out of out of this in forty eight hours. Uh, I mean, what did you expect them to come up with in forty eight hours? Then that can be kind of a a template for things to change, as opposed yeah. to us pushing against it so much. So, I, uh, right. to talk it back to the, very, the initial question, can athletes do more? There's always things you can do more because there's something else is going to come up two months from now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I think that this was probably the strongest stance that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, in yeah. my lifetime, um, obviously we know things, you know, with the sprinters, with the black gloves. And yeah. there was also another guy, the third place guy that he's been like wiped out of the record books in his country <laughs> because he's still with them. I didn't even know that until this year. Right. Um, but for the NBA to say, nah, we're just going to take this day. Cause that was their fear. Remember going into the bubble that yeah. we were going to play yeah. and this was going to be all swept under the rug. And yeah. to an extent it was, but um the most one of the most vocal teams has wasn't isn't it a team that has a base in America? That's the crazy part. It's been the Raptors, right? Mm. The Raptors yeah. have been one of the more vocal teams about this kind of stuff, and I think athletes are important to society, um, and that that should be known by how pissed people were that sports were canceled. Yeah, and the fight back and forth yeah. with college athletes. I think college athletes are in the worst position because they're just undervalued to begin with. 
And so when they say something, for some reason, the alumni think they like own these guys. <laughs> like we pay your salary. Like, okay, well, I don't get a salary. So, well, <laughs> you, you're getting, you're getting a scholarship. Fine. I can go get a scholarship somewhere else. What, uh, what do you, you have nothing to do with this. You know what I mean? And yeah. so when those guys speak out, it's almost like, man, they get, and they're kids. They can't, they, they don't deserve that. You know, if anything, if you think that they say something that's out of, you know, a little bit out of pocket, then it's your job to tell them, okay, what are you trying to say? Oh, here's what's really going on now let's but don't squelch their voices because you don't want to you don't want to make that the precedent for them moving forward yeah mm-hmm. um i think you're right i think you've, you've tied it together nicely and um it has been nice to see i think there will probably be more of it um for better or for worse um in the yeah. future it does seem like it is sort of maybe an individual thing because it's it's not often where um, you know, these events that affect social justice affect an entire team. It usually starts with a spark. And then from there, we see, I think, a lot of other people rallying. There's a quote. I don't know who said this. It's a great quote. You've heard it. The arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. It really feels mm. as if the arc of yeah. history at this point is really starting to curve. And it, it feels like it's for the better. I know that there's a lot yeah. going on and it's really depressing to see, but um, it really feels like at least it's turning in the right direction. And it's yeah. sort of been this, this exorcism of pain and everything that's been going on, at least in the United States. So I'm, yeah. I'm trying to be optimistic about it. At least gotta be, I hope you're right, man. I hope, yeah. I hope you guys are right. I mean, I, I know TJ, you mentioned the the protests, uh, got everybody deciding to take the games off. Like I, I, that made me feel emotional. And I mean, I think that was just really meaningful moment right like that especially the playoffs man this is the playoffs that guys have worked all season for this and that's really putting your foot down and saying listen to us this is important and i hope that yeah. i hope that you're right brett i mean i hope that the arc really is going towards justice yeah well, no, nothing in america has progressed without some sort of war you know and it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical war like some people are trying to paint like but there's a race war going on like no it's not if, if we were, you know, um, there was a quote in, in the Black Panther movie, you know, Chad with, you know, Chad Baldwin passing away, where it, it, it basically hinted towards, I don't want to misquote it, so I won't say it exactly, but it hinted towards like there being like an illusion of division. But if you really looked at things, then we're probably more alike than we are mm-hmm. different. And yeah. I think if people would lean into like, okay, what do you want to happen? And understand that if someone's life is on the line, then this is not the time to say, well, three years ago, he committed. Uh, so yeah. so are you saying that if people commit a crime, they should die? So let's just do away with prisons, right? Let's just, let's do away with reformation. And then if you do something wrong, because this is the president that we're setting. And so I, I think if we just, I, I think most people want to live in a society that's safe, want to live in a society where they can feel like they can, they have a chance at life. And if we lean more into that, which I think that athletes are doing because athletes are showing how they can juggle so many things in that bubble. They're away from their families. Okay. So that's already, we talked about what that can do to your mind, which you guys can speak to way more than I can. It, Paul George spoke on it. Like, uh, I don't have anything to do, but look at my phone. So when I'm seeing people killing me, rightfully so. Okay. Cause this is what happens when you give yourself a nickname, like playoff P never give yourself a nickname. Okay. That's step one. <laughs> oh. But anyway, <laughs> This you look at it and you're getting killed. And who do you talk to about it? Your wife's your wife ain't there. Your kids ain't there. You don't get to go home and, and kick off your feet and do what you normally do. You're in this thing. But then for them to be able to take that 
take the playoffs, take all this pressure, put it aside and focus on this for now and then get back to it. That's, that should be applauded. That should be applauded. That should, that, that, and, and I think that, I think that they said, I think that the WNBA first, I want to make sure that people understand that the WNBA ladies have been doing this for a very long time. Yeah, and they've been, yeah. you know, people have been talking trash and they're saying, well, that's why they don't get viewers. Like, shut up. You know, you, can, you can't guard any of these women anyway. So why do, what are you even talking about? But I think they deserve a lot of the, a lot of flowers for being tr- the trailblazers that they are on a multitude of levels because they too are away from their families. And it's not being reported on as much as the NBA. But for them to be able to take these stances and then still be able to go out and perform and then go back, you know, to still talking about the things that, that matter to them, I think that shows the full fullness and the 360 degrees of a human being. And it's just mm-hmm. on, on display and that you don't have to be one thing just because that's what you do. And yeah. I think that that's, I think, that, again, I'm going to keep saying it because I think that that's to be applauded. And I think that we could learn a lot from the proceedings of the last three days and not just uh, continue to be pissed off by it because it is emotional. Um, as a black mm-hmm. man, you know, with my, with my son watching that, you know, and he's, we're, we're trying to watch the game, but instead we're having conversations and, you know, the guys on TNT are talking about it and they're not immune to it either. You know, and so um, again, I'm being long-winded because I'm really, I'm really passionate about it. So please forgive me. But uh, I say all that to say that athletes do a lot, um, and people can learn a lot if we will allow the athletes to be humans, and then learn from their humanity. Preach, man. Thank you. Um, I'm really, I'm not supposed to give anybody nicknames, but I'm really tempted to call you cousin TJ at this point. <laughs> See, but you gave it to me. Now, if, if I would have came in and said, oh, Hey, this is cousin TJ Toms, it wouldn't have hit the same. You see what All I'm right. saying? So when you say playoff P and the Playoff funny P. thing is that it, they started calling them pandemic P and that, that, oh, God. that was hilarious. All right, well, I think Paul George is great. Yeah. Not a Paul George fan. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Cousin TJ, do you want to tell us about your podcast? I do. We have the 2% podcast. We're actually starting to record season two. Uh, we have season one, which went really well. We're starting to gain some traction. It's just basically just me and one of my coworkers. Uh, it's called 2% Podcast. You can follow us at the 2% Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then we're on Spotify uh, and then the iTunes podcast as well. And it's just about, you know, looking at education from the lens of the most underrepresented you know, in the, in that, which is the 2% of black males that are educators. And so we, we talk about education we talk about things that affect us. And then, but we also have fun. I mean, we have this segment called the teacher's lounge where we, we often argue about things because, you know, in the teacher's lounge, people, that's where teachers go to relax. And so, you know, like one time he had, a, he tried to tell me that Taylor Swift was a better performer than Beyonce and, you know, almost lost it. But <laughs> What? <laughs> you don't, you don't even, want to know. That's even Just an argument? Listen, go listen to it. You know, he, he undermines my, my Jay-Z love, which is another thing that you know, Why? We, we almost throw hands about. But, you know, I'm a music what's, guy. What's, he have, against, music what's guy. he have against Jay? He's just younger. You know, my man Talia, I love him to death. You know, he's in his, he's in his mid-20s. You know, so that... Did you play Reasonable Doubt for him? He, 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 I got him to listen to it. And? and then he started to come to my side more. Okay. Don't get me started on the Jay Z 101, man. <laughs> you know, you, Ben, you and I could talk. You know, our rap. We talked about the rap list, which we need to. We need to talk. About. We need to do that, man. That'd be funny. <laughs> Tyrone, but yes, um, thank you, thank you. That that is. Uh, and then my second children's book is almost finished. 
Yep. So we are, we, we are, it's at the illustrator. We're doing some last bit. So it should be out before the end of the year. Great. So, yeah. Great. You know. And the title, the, the new book is title. Of the new book is Bradley visits the zoo, Ooh. which I had this idea about two years ago. And it's, 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 it's an important lesson, man. All my, all, all the books are going to have a little lesson to it. Um, which the first one, Bradley knows everything, which is available on, on Amazon is, uh, that's just about encouraging kids to stay curious you know, we, I grew up in a time where you don't ask no questions. Don't ask why, you know, why only why, because I said so. And then, you know, as an adult, you start to ask these questions. You're like, wait a minute, mom, that, that's not true. What you told me. So, <laughs> so I think that the more you learn, you know, the more you should ask questions to know more this time, um, we're going to try to get it on, on hardcover as well. Great. So, nice. cause you know, kids are hard on books. So yeah. they tear Ezra's them up. Already, and... Ezra's already ripped. Already ripped. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that one is Bradley visits the zoo, and that'll be out before the end of the year. So, great, right. man. Yeah. And you're uh, you're on Twitter at Tyrone Void underscore TJ AP. Void. TJ Void. TJ yep. Void. TJ Void. That's it. Keep it okay. simple. Keep at it simple. TJ Void. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at Head Game Psych. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Brett Levine, and you can find that guy on Twitter at BD Rosenberg PhD. Thanks as always to Joshy Boy, Josh Baca, and Gladiice for putting together today's show. Thanks for tuning in.